Hello, hello. It's the week of Valentine's where all of your relationship dreams come true or they don't. I'm Kyle, and this is the Ministry During the Disruption podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here today to talk about Valentine's week and weekend and the holiday itself. And joining me today to help me talk about this is our love guru, our senior Valentine's correspondent, Steve Tamayo. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here and so glad to be talking about love, romance, relationships, Valentine's Day. Great. Thanks for joining us, Steve. And yeah, so why don't we just quickly give us some fun facts about Valentine's before we jump in on your hot take. Yeah, I did a little research on this because everybody knows that Valentine's Day is happening. But did you know that the candy hearts that go out on Valentine's, the things that say like love or kisses or eat me, those candy hearts, that there are actually 8 billion of those made every year. And they were originally designed to help people with sore throats. It's actually medicine. They were cough drops? They were cough drops, lozenges. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I also discovered that 27% of people buy gifts for their pets on Valentine's Day. So if you have a dog, a cat, a rat, a snake, a hamster, a pigeon, whatever you have, feel free to buy them a gift to show your love, your affection, your commitment to them on Valentine's Day. The last thing to share is that Valentine's Day was an ancient Roman holiday before it came into the kind of Christian circles. It was a holiday called Lupercalia, which was a festival that was marked by streaking and spanking in order to increase fertility. I'm so glad that some things have changed. Well, at least as a University of Virginia alumni, streaking does speak to my soul. So not that I ever partook in such an activity whatsoever. It's just part of our culture as a general collective. But well, Steve, with all those fun facts out of the way, what is your hot take on Valentine's Day? Okay. My take is that technology will not save us. Now, what does that have to do with Valentine's Day? Well, like Valentine's Day is a day that's all about connection, about romance, about love. And our technology promises us connection. I'm going to be able to swipe right into the love of my life. And yet what many people realize is that what happens is people are sliding into your DMs with images and invitations that are unwelcomed and creepy and gross. And actually, our technology doesn't save us when it comes to the relationship and dating world, it makes it more complicated. In fact, our technology distracts us from the dating world. Uh, There are all kinds of things that are easier than relationships. It's easier to watch Netflix. It's easier to watch YouTube. It's easier to watch porn than to have a real relationship. And actually, the promise of technology that it'll bring us closer to each other often just distracts us from each other. One thing this reminds me of is I read a book by Aziz Ansari called Modern Romance. Oh, yeah. Right? Love that book. Love Aziz. And one of the things they talk about, and something that I experienced when I was using dating apps, is actually, you know, in like 1950, 1940, people would get married to somebody within two miles of them, right? Because that's all the options they had. Now, though, 
the thought of that, like, oh, I'm going to marry this person I grew up with and I live next to who was two miles away, right? That was, you, that was your options. That sounds insane to me as a millennial. And it, it's going, going more so, right? It's going more so. And I think one of the things that is like crazy is that when you have the ability to swipe left and right on somebody, literally it feels like there are all like 7 billion-ish people out there. Like we said, there's 8 billion of those candies. Like you have 8 billion options out there. And if just swiping left or right on somebody... Right, like that one person was like, "Oh, that person was kind of cool," but you just swept swept left on accident. You're like, "Oh well." Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you had one of those candy hearts and you had to find the one right candy heart that had your name on it? You got you eight billion of those. You got to find the one that says Kyle. Yeah, and I mean, and like, like also, I have to find it by swiping left and right. That would suck. <laughs> Yeah, one at a time. I've got to go through them one at a time until I find the perfect one. I mean, that's that's a mythology about relationships, which for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we just don't believe. We don't believe that there's only one person that you could marry. We don't believe that there's only one person that you could love. We, we believe that actually love is a choice. Well, okay, so I... I... I personally believe what you just said, but when I grew up in church, I definitely heard a lot of language around soulmates and like, there is a soulmate out there. God has a plan for you. You are destined to meet this person. You are going to get married. What would you say to that? How does that interact with what you just said? I would say you need to tell your wife, your girlfriend that that's what you believe. But if you believe it, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to get into that relationship and you're going to hit a rough spot. Or you're going to meet someone else who's a friend, a, a co-worker, you know, someone from church who's attractive and fun and witty. And you're going to start to wonder if maybe the one that you picked is the wrong one. And the biblical call for a lifelong devotion and faithfulness is going to be even more difficult if you believe the lie that there's only one person for you. In fact, I, I believe that there's not just one person for you. There's not just one job for you. There's not just one church for you. That our lives are made up of a, a series of choices that are played out underneath the guidance of the Holy Spirit, underneath the, the, the saving umbrella of Jesus, underneath the provision of the Father. That we're actually invited into a very dynamic relationship with our own destiny. Well, this also would speak to me as a fan of a very, very large fan of comic books where there's multiverses and there's parallel dimensions. So you're saying like in a parallel dimension, there's Kyle who's married to somebody else or who's single or who's who's not working for InterVarsity or who's doing different things. There's, there's just... And that Kyle, we can call him Kyle Morales if you want, if that would be helpful for your comic oh, book yes. fandom. Uh, that Kyle is just as loved by Jesus as the Kyle who I'm talking with right now. But actually, your relationship status has nothing to do with whether you're loved by Jesus. Romantic relationships aren't given to us as a reward or a punishment. Right. Well, I think that would bring up my personal take then. My take is that relationships, right? You said technology is not going to save us. Te relationships in general are not going to save us. I mean, unless you're going to use the youth pastor says thing of oh, the only relationship that will save you is your relationship with Jesus because Jesus is the answer. Yeah, but don't yeah, but don't make out yeah, with him, ooh, right? Ooh. No sloppy wet kisses. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean sloppy wet or unforeseen, you know. Um. <laughs> no, none of those. None. None of those. But but I, I think you're right, Kyle. I think just as we say, technology won't save us. Relationships won't save us either. And sometimes we put too much hope in these things. Well, I mean, not only do we put too much hope in those things. I mean, hope, putting hope in false places that happens all the time, right? 
and I think the Bible warns against that, but not only that, but if we put relationships on a pedestal where they are the thing that like our life is driven around, like that is clearly not the, the, the drive of several important people in the Bible, such as Paul or Jesus, most of the prophets back in the Old Testament, right? These people never get married. They never have children. They never have a white picket fence. So they never own a house, right? And, and that's what our, often our American culture is all about. All right, here's something. Can I have a take on your take? Oh, sure. Okay, so if my take is technology won't save us, and your take is relationships won't save us, maybe my take on your take is that one of the reasons relationships can't save us is because we turn relationships into a technology to try to get what we want instead of really loving the person across from us. Oh, so like, what do you mean by what do you mean by them making relationships a technology? What, they explain that a little bit more for me. So instead of loving a real person and appreciating them in their fullness, their completeness, who they actually are, we turn them into an idol for us to worship and who will serve and meet our needs. Mm. Now, this is something we do with God. It's also something that we do with family, with our parents, with our children, with our siblings, with our aunts and uncles, tios and tias. It's something that we do with our girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses, you're the people who we're partnered with in life, is we dehumanize them and turn them into a means of our wish and need fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, so I can remember a perfect example. When I was in high school, there was this one girl who I really was, really was into. And she, and I realized after we like tried to get together, it didn't work. That I was like, oh, she was different than I thought she was. And why did I think she was different was because I built up this false facade of who I actually thought she was and then was in love with that person. And I wasn't actually in love or like attracted. I mean, I was somewhat attracted, but like wasn't really attracted to the person I knew. I just, it was the person I thought they were, right? That's, that's totally different. Well, and the people we're with and the people we're with change over time. You know, Amy and I have been married for 16 years. She is a different person than I married. I'm also a very different person. And her faithful commitment to me, even though I have continued to grow and change and, you know, I'm a different person, is part of the beauty of uh, committed relationships, is part of the beauty of family. Yeah, I will say, um, as a, like a counterpoint to some of the things we're saying, is that relationships can be a great catalyst for change in your life, right? Like They can be a thing where when you go into them, I know this was true in my own dating relationship before I got married, was that when I was dating my, my now wife, our relationship was a powerful tool that God used to bring up all the idols we had and then throw them all aside. And and she called them all out. It was like, Hey, that's not right. And I got to do a little bit of the same with her. And that was awesome. Right. And we, and if we had all this, that's all we did, that would be great. That would have been a really, really awesome time. And so it's not to say that, you know, relationships can't help. Right. But they're not here to save us. Right. And, also, as a minor subplot, too, I would say, you know, just because you had really awesome relationships doesn't mean you're supposed to get married because you could just have a relationship and that's it. Okay, see, with all of that being said, we, we could go on for hours about relationships and the, our relationships to relationships. But let's make the pivot to make turn this towards campus ministry. What does this mean for campus ministry? So if we say that technology won't save us, in the midst of the disruption, many of us have believed in the myth of technological salvation. We believe that if I just master Instagram, my ministry is going to thrive again. 
If I just figure out how to do a Bible study on Zoom, Zoom will save me. If I'm able to use Teams well with my team, then I will be saved from isolation on campus. And it's just not true. It's just not true. Technology won't save us. And, you know, it's one of the lessons of Valentine's Day is that actually in order to have great relationships, it requires human connection. And we have to figure out ways to be human, even when technology is put in front of us and we're forced to conduct our relationships through new technologies. I think that's incredibly important. Some of the most remarkable ministry things I've seen during this time have been when people have found ways to be human together and connect even over technological means. Yeah, I I think one thing that we we were looking at here too when talking about relationships is and and saying that relationships are not going to save us and our false ideas about relationships aren't going to save us. I think another opportunity out there is lots of people are feeling that pressure now, right? They're thinking, oh man, technology is going to save us, right? They're feeling, oh, relationships. If I use technology to get a relationship, it will save me, right? It's going to make everything better. And you may feel that, you or you may not, but somebody out there definitely is. And that's also an opportunity to reach out to somebody during this time as well. Well, and you know, there is there is this feeling that my relationships with the people I'm serving and leading, you know, if I'm a small group leader, my relationships with the people in my small group, if I'm a university staff worker, campus staff worker, my relationships with my students, you know, if I'm a faculty person, my relationships with the grad students that I mentor, to believe that my ministry hinges on my relationships is is also a myth. You know, and again, I hear that we don't want to go into youth pastor says territory. But I know that relationships are hard right now, and it's important that we locate our hope for our ministry and something beyond our relationships because our relationships are not within our control. One thing I could add to that as well, a really tough and complicated time where it comes to those, those relationship building. I, I think we often think about, oh, we got to reach like hundreds of people now, right? And that's not necessarily true, right? I mean, we, we were talking about this a little earlier. When, when Christ comes down, when Paul meet, comes, goes and does his missions, they connect with a couple families. They connect with a couple people right? Jesus ultimately spends his time with 10, 11 people, and his he's the most successful minister that ever existed and ever will exist. And Paul is really successful too, and, and he's meeting with small groups of people over and over, not, not these giant groups, and these people, you know, and this is how Christianity and the world is ultimately changed. Oftentimes, when we think about those, we think about mass, like, oh, especially with the onset of technology, oh, I could send out a thing and everybody could hear it. And that's not necessarily what we're called to do. We're not necessarily called to reach like everybody, they know all right now, right? This one or two is also totally good. It's actually a way in which the disruption helps us do something that we probably should have been doing all along. Historically, in university, we would do something called new student outreach, where you try to meet as many people in the first two weeks. You throw barbecues, cookouts, ice cream socials, try to meet as many people in the first two weeks as you can. And what we believed is, If I can find those 8 million hearts, I'm going to find some people who are going to love my ministry. And we weren't able to do that this year. And yet, I'm hearing these remarkable stories of connections that that were made. 
And even though you didn't hit the masses, you still hit some people and God's changing their lives right now as a result. Yeah, our paradigms are getting turned upside down. These are some stranger things we could talk about. But anything else we got to talk about today, Steve? Yeah, I got what one more one more micro take. Don't hate on Valentine's Day. All right. Like I know there are reasons not to like it, but you know, if other people are enjoying it, let them enjoy it. Just let them be them. Like just ignore those people. You do you. Let them do them. Speaking of things that people like, if you like our podcast, you could follow us on social media. We're gonna we're gonna at Ministry During the Disruption on Instagram. We would love to hear what your take on Valentine's Day is. Or and and you could also like our podcast and help us out by rate, reviewing, and subscribing to our podcast. Okay, and you can also check out our sponsor, which will be coming right up. So Valentine's Day is not only a day about romantic relationships, it's a day when we get cards for our moms, where when we were kids, we would give out cards at school, and we would help be a part of a bigger community of relationships. We in InterVarsity believe that flourishing communities matter to God. We all want to be a part of a flourishing community. And so we've created a series of Bible studies and large group talks and Instagram resources to help you and your small group develop a flourishing community. Check it out at intervarsity.org slash online and search flourishing communities. Communities.